I think what we have to start looking at, though, is instead of motivation, commitment. Yes. You need to commit, you know. It's about... It's about setting goals that you want to commit to. And they always say that, you know, if you do something for 21 days, it becomes a habit. Um, So, which is very interesting because it's, it's, if you, if you commit to doing something for a certain number of days, then it does become a habit. And you think, oh, okay, I'm used to this. Welcome to Ready, Set, Go, the podcast that helps you turn your dreams into reality. We'll give you your regular dose of motivation along with our insights to help you achieve your goals. Listen in as I share conversations with awesome influential guests who will inspire us and share their secrets behind their success in achieving their goals. Are you ready to move closer to your dream goal? I'm your host, Donna Campisi. I'm an inspirational speaker, author and adventurer. I'm excited to bring you this podcast. Are you ready? Let's do it on Ready, Set, Go. Carol Cook was born and bred in Toronto where she fulfilled a lifelong dream of following in the footsteps of her family and served as a member of the Toronto Police Force. Leading an exciting life as a police officer in Canada where she worked undercover in the drug squad for four years. Ooh, undercover. (laughs) But life was about to change dramatically. Carol fell in love with an Australian Married and moved halfway around the world and settled in Melbourne. Melbourne's pretty good to settle in, I think. (laughs) After after uh, after competing in Hobart at the Masters Swimming Nationals in 1998, she awoke one morning with disturbing balance problems and double vision, symptoms of multiple sclerosis. After an array of tests, she was bluntly told at the age of 36, you have MS, go home and get your affairs in order before you become incapacitated. Devastated and having only been married for three years and no immediate family around, her thoughts revolved around how she was going to cope with this disease. Fortunately, Carol found the determination and spirit to defy what the doctor has told her. As a swimmer, rower and cyclist, Carol has proved her versatility in sport over the last 48 years and now at an age where most people are thinking of retirement, Carol continues to race at an elite international level. Awesome. Carol is an inspiration to everyone that she meets, including me. I met her a number of years ago and just, um, yeah, or inspired by Carol's achievements. In 2011, Carol took up para-cycling and has gone on to win three gold medals at two Paralympic Games. She's probably won more since then, hey? She's won nine world championships and continues to complete compete internationally. She's also the founder of MS 24-Hour Mega Swim in 2001, where she founded that, which is one of the fastest growing fundraising events in Australia and has raised over $10 million, which provides scholarships to people living with MS to follow a dream. I love it. Carol was named in uh, the 2014 Australia Day Honours list, being named as Member of the Order of Australia. She received this award in recognition of her significant service to sport as a gold medalist at the London 2012 Paralympic Games and for fundraising and representational roles with charitable health care organisations. In 2015, Carol became an author of her book, Finding Your Inner Gold. Carol believes that nothing is impossible if you dare to face your fears and believes in ourselves. Her awards, are there's a great list of them. I'm going to list some, but the rest are going to be in the show notes, I think. <laughs> 2018, Victorian Female Paracyclist of the Year. 2017, Award of Excellence. 2017 Master Sportsmanship, a uh, Sportsperson, sorry, of the Year. 2016 Female Sportsperson of the Year and Masters Sportsperson of the Year. It keeps going. 2016 Paralympics, two gold medals, 2015 Victorian finalist, and there's many more. I am going to list them. Believe me, Carol is an amazing woman. She lives in Melbourne, Australia. Thanks for joining us, Carol. No, thank you, Donna. For that was a me. huge introduction. <laughs> it 
impressive. I think you've just told my whole life story. I can oh, just go no, home no, now. No. <laughs> no, there's heaps more to talk about. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm super excited to have you here. And we've been trying to arrange this interview for so long because you are a super busy woman, aren't you? I am. And a lot of the time I'm not even in the country. So it's, yeah, yeah it, especially last year was just absolutely crazy. And this year is almost just as crazy uh, because of the Tokyo games coming up. Mm. So that I'll hopefully be at uh, the team won't get named till June. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's just, it's just a, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't busy. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's I, true. I'd probably wither <laughs> up and die because I'm just used to just being on the go all the time. Uh, good on you. Well, I'm going to ask you, what would you say is your most outstanding goal you've achieved? The one that you're most proudest of out of all of those lists of things that you've done, what would you say is, is the one that you're most proudest of Carol? Uh, I'd probably say the 24 hour mega swim mm-hmm. because um, it's been, it was supposed to be a one-off event in 2011 just to raise $10,000 for a program that MS runs. Um, <laughs> and at the end of it, somebody yelled from the back of the room, when is it next year? And I thought, oh, my God. Like, you're joking, aren't you? And here we are. We just on the weekend had our 20th Fitzroy Mega Swim. But oh, well we've, now, we've now spread the Mega Swim through four states, and we now have about well, it depends on the year, about 17 swims a year. And so it's definitely a million dollar um, uh, fundraising effort every year for MS. So wow. I'd, I'd say that, yeah, that's probably what I'm most proud of, that it's taken hold. And um, I have to say, though, on the weekend, I, I retired from running the Fitzroy swim. Oh, I thought, wow. What are you going to do? What are they going to do without you? <laughs> oh, I'm sure they will find somebody else to run that one uh, because yeah. they've done that with the other swims. Okay. But, um, yeah, I thought that 20 years was enough. Yeah, it's I'm probably going to get my, my front room of my house back. So instead of having mega swim stuff everywhere, you know, my husband will be able to walk into it. (laughs) Well, what do you have? What do you have there that you're in the front room that is taking up, you know? Oh, well, just all the, uh, I'm a hoarder, like mega swim stuff, (laughs) you know, um, files, 20 years of files and yeah, just crazy, just crazy. Yeah, and that's a super effort. Like, well done with that. I'm really, yeah, awe inspired oh, by you. that. Uh, so, who who goes? Who who swims in this event? Is it is it anyone oh. that you're in? Everyone and anyone, or what? What everyone and anyone? Yeah. we had the youngest swimmer registered this year at four months old, and her mother what? put her in a little ba- floaty bassinet thing, and she floated up and down the pool. <laughs> I think maybe she got lots of donations as well for her. And I oh, think yeah. the oldest we've had is like 80. Wow. So it, it really is a team effort. It's all mm. team, team groups that, you know, they have to have a swimmer in the water for 24 hours. It doesn't matter how they do it. Um, it's just a matter of having somebody swim up and down. Um, they can dog paddle up and down. They can float up and down. It just, you know, and it's just a fun team event so okay here this year at Fitzroy we had um we had a couple of corporate teams but we had a a local swim club and we've had schools take part in the past awesome Um, so you don't have to be an Olympic swimmer yeah oh my god no not at all okay (laughs) not at all that kind of scares me uh, near you (laughs) no no my mother came over one year and took part and was our highest fundraiser on our team and yeah, she swam well she swam a total of four laps you know yeah. throughout the event and but but that's mm. what what it's all about it's just it's just about coming and having fun with a group of people that that you um are friends with or work with and it's the fundraising that counts yeah yeah that's awesome well done hey can we go back carol to 1998 and tell yeah, us about yeah. your uh, well, your initial thoughts when first diagnosed with MS and being told to go home and get your affairs in order before you become (laughs) incapacitated like I don't know what because I haven't been in that situation and many people haven't so where was your head then like what were your thoughts like 
yeah, tell us about that time. Well, it was, um, it was funny because all my symptoms had gone away. And so I said to my husband, because my, my GP thought I had an inner ear infection, which was causing the balance and mm -hmm. to go off. And I went and had my eyes tested because of the double vision. And I had a, a brand new, she had just graduated from um, university optometrist. And I told her that, you know, my GP had thought I might have an inner ear infection, but I'd already been to the neurologist, but I was just waiting for results. And she said to me, she said, oh, she says, oh, it might have spread to the optic nerve. And funny enough, she called my GP and said, I think it might be MS. He didn't mm -hmm. tell me that. But when, my, when I went to the neurologist to get the, um, the final like, results from my MRI and stuff like that, um, my symptoms were gone. So I, I said to my husband, oh, don't bother coming because you know Jeff was probably right. It was an infection that was throwing everything off. Um, this so you were alone at the appointment. Yeah. So I went by myself uh -huh. and the optometrist hadn't said anything about MS to me. So I guess she didn't want to scare me. Mm. Um, and so when I went, I thought, Oh, I'm wasting his time. And his, his body language was such as that I was wasting his time. You know, he was in a hurry. He opened the door. He was pretty gruff. He's like, come on, sit down, sit down. You know, um, he pulled my MRI film out and he held it to the ceiling and he said what he said, you know, you, you've got multiple sclerosis, too many lesions on your brain for someone your age. And um, so go home and you, basically your life as you know, it's over, go home and put your affairs in order before you become incapacitated. And it was like getting hit by a bus. And I just sat yeah. in this chair and the only word I could focus on really was you're going to be the words where you're going to be incapacitated. Mm. Now for somebody so involved in sport on my life, I was like, cause at the time I was a head football trainer. I met my husband at a football club. So I was head football trainer for North Q football. And so I was running around the field and looking after injuries and, you know, and game day and plus swimming. And so sport was a really big part of my life. Mm. Um, so I think I, I said one word that day. I looked at him and I said, what? Mm. And he, he just said, oh, my God, I, you heard me. You've got MS. And he said, so you're going to have to quit work. You're going to have to go on a whole bunch of drugs. And to, you'll never do this silly sports stuff again. And to be honest, I can't, I can't take you on as a patient. I've got enough people with MS, so go back to your own GP. Oh, my so, God. Oh, yeah, he was, he was a lovely man. Oh, um, and, and with that, he walked towards the door and he was putting the film back in the envelope and he opened the door and he said, hurry up. I've got patients waiting. And I was sitting there and I, Jesus. I, 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 it was like being in a tunnel where you couldn't hear anything, but you could focus on what was going on. But it's just those, those words, um, multiple sclerosis and, and incapacitated and like, that was just, and I guess when you don't understand something, you think the worst. I mean, you know, if somebody gives you mm -hmm. bad news, you always think the worst. You don't, if somebody imparts knowledge upon you, then that can change your thinking quite a bit. But I knew nothing. I knew about Readathon because funny enough, Readathon was started by my year seven librarian in Canada. Oh, really? I remember doing yeah. that as a kid too. <laughs> I know. All those years ago, I was probably her first guinea pig for Readathon. But so I understood, I, I knew that there was a disease called multiple sclerosis, mm. but I had no idea what it was. Mm. And so as I walked towards the door, he slammed the envelope with my uh, MRI film in it, against my chest. And he had the audacity to say, see my secretary on the way out like for the bill. Mm. And I remember he was in an old house, an old Victorian house in Kew and I'm walking down the hallway and it was the longest hallway in the world. Mm. It was like everything had gone into slow motion. Yeah. And, um, I walked straight past the secretary's office and as I put my hand on the door to open it, I heard her yell at me like, Mrs. Cook, Mrs. Cook, your bill. And I just walked out the door. And funny enough, I don't even know if I ever paid that bill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember getting it, but it's history. I remember. I don't remember driving home that day, so that that's not surprising. Mm. Um, so I guess, yeah, we 
you know, at that point, I didn't know what to think, you know, you just slammed something like this. And it was, it was like, it almost took my breath away. It was like getting hit by a bus. And I just, and to think I said one word that day, you know, I just, I just look back and I think, Oh my God. And, and hence why I've done a lot of work with MS and the ambassador program. And we've gone into universities to talk to neurology students who are in their neuro, like med, med oh, students who are awesome. in the neurology rotation. Yeah. And I impart my diagnosis on them. And funny enough, they all go, Oh my God. You know, mm. I said, you've got to talk to people like they're human, like they understand mm. because not just the person in the middle that's affected, then you've got their family and mm. then they've got, you've got their friends and you've got their work colleagues and then you've got, you know, other people attached to them. And it becomes this huge, big circle that that diagnosis affects. So yeah. um, I also learned that day that you don't make rash decisions when no. you get bad news because no. I got home when I got home, the, the first thing I remember, I don't remember driving home. I don't remember parking the car. I remember sitting in the living room and I was crying and our, we had a six month old puppy at the time and she put her head in my lap and whimpered and that snapped me out of the fog I was in. And I was just like, Oh, it's all right, Kim, but it'll be okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. And, um, and yeah, I decided I was going to give Russ a, a divorce and I was going to give him the house we just bought and I was wow. going to go back to Canada and let my family look after me because I was going to be incapacitated and you know to me that meant uh sitting in a wheelchair wearing nappies drooling not being able to feed myself not being able to communicate like I went way overboard way over to the to the dark of what incapacitated was mm. because Sorry, Carol, are you frozen a little bit? Can you hear me? Oh, I can. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, you've come back. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I know a little bit about MS myself because I have uh, worked in, in the field of disability, health issues, mental health, that sort of thing. But can yep. you tell the listeners... Uh, just give a, a, a description of what it is, of what you would like the actual neurologist to have told you, actually. Can you give it to us in that, that, in that sort of frame? In kind of layman's terms, so people understand. Yeah. It's a disease of the central nervous system, which affects the brain, the spinal cord, optic nerves. And so our nerves, our nerve fibers are covered with a fatty substance called myelin. And that fatty substance is like a plug that we would plug into the wall with the rubber around the wires. The rubber protects the wires so that we can't break them or, you know, snap them. And so my thing with the nerve fibers and it helps the conduction of messages. So if say um, I wanted to pick something up with my left hand, just my, using my fingers, just, you know, like a paper clip or a pin or something, your brain tells your hand, pick that up. Now, if I have an attack, my, my body thinks there's something wrong with that myelin covering. So it attacks it in little places and it stops because it breaks that fatty substance down. It stops the message from free flowing through because mm-hmm. the message will get to one of these breaks and it'll say, Ooh, it's not safe to pass. So if my brains tell my hand to pick this pin up, I know how to do it but my hand won't do it because the message has got stuck, stuck at this break. And is so, it, yeah. you're saying a pin or a paper clip, and is that because it's a fine motor skill as well? Is oh, your, I just used that as an, as an example. Yeah, it could be okay. anything. It, it could, could be stop your hand. It, mm. could, it, it could stop your hand completely. It's like mm. if you, if you want to get up and walk, if mm. the nerve that that message from your brain is going down to your, to your legs to say, get up and walk mm. and there's breaks on it. There's sometimes you can't get up and walk. Yeah. You might know how to do it, but you just cannot do it. So I think the problem with MS is that um, no two people are alike. So the, the symptoms are so varied because it's your nervous system. So it sure. can be anything. You can't tell where it's going to happen. It could be your eyesight, which for me, it was my eyes. It could be your balance. Um, 
you know, there's bladder and bowel issues, a lot of hidden things, mm. um, neuro pain, you know, things like that. And um, fatigue and fatigue is one of the most debilitating ones. It's like, you know what chronic fatigue syndrome is, but mm. it's like double it. You cannot even after eight hours sleep, get out of bed because you feel like you have two tons of concrete on you. And it's almost impossible to just get your body up and going. It's that type of fatigue. Of fatigue. Um, so it's really hard to diagnose most of the time. I mean, mm. we're getting better nowadays because of the, the MRI imaging and like the, you know, the way the medical field is advancing is, is quite amazing and what we can see inside our body now. So it's much easier to diagnose, but you know, I know people who went years with symptoms that were on and off again, because that myelin can actually, it actually rebuilds. And sure. so then the messages come back. And so that's what's called relapsing and remitting MS. So you're going to have an attack um, it can rebuild. It might take a week. It might take a month or longer. You know, everybody is so different, but it can rebuild. And then that message is back there and you're up and walking or you're picking things up or whatever the issue was, um, has, has righted itself. Um, so I know people who went for years where they had symptoms and then they'd go, they would go away and they, you know, they'd get the doctor saying, well, this is happening. And then the doctor would just say, oh, look, it's all in your head. You're either stressed or, you know, mm. you're worrying too much about things. And when in fact, yeah, it was all in their head, but it was real. You yeah, know, it was yeah. the nerves that were being damaged. Um, and unfortunately, there's not just relapsing and remitting MS. There's progressive MS where if somebody's diagnosed with progressive MS from the start, um, that myelin doesn't rebuild itself it continues to get worse. And so that's when you see people who, who are in a wheelchair or who might not be able to feed themselves, you know, like it, get, mm. it can get pretty bad. Um, mm. I know people who become quadriplegics because of it. Yes, I've seen that myself. So that's why I suppose I'm really amazed by you, Carol, because you've had this for quite a number of years now how long would you say yeah, a long time now 22 yeah. years now 22 yeah. yeah so and you are doing uh sport and activities obviously uh in paralympics not the mm -hmm. usual olympics whatever you want to yeah. call it because i remember meeting you and you even said to me oh donna you should cycle and i said i have terrible balance because of my stroke issue mm -hmm. but then i found out you were riding a a tricycle a tri what you call yeah, yeah and right. i thought oh yeah. wow I have to try this and we still haven't tried it. So I know <laughs> we, have to, we have to catch up and so I can try it. But so, I mean, you're still, you're still going, you're still doing things. And with all those symptoms that you mentioned, how do you keep yourself motivated when you're aiming for your goals? So you talked about the pain, yeah. the, you know, the imbalance and, you know, all of those things. How do you, how do you keep going? Well, I think the wrong word to use is motivation. Okay. I think we can all be motivated to do things. I mean, look at New Year's resolutions. We're all really gung-ho <laughs> that first month. And we're all very motivated. And look, I can be really motivated, but I have days where I don't want to get up. Like my alarm clock went off this morning at 4.30 because I'm on the road, you know, just after five to meet up with people that I'm riding with and I have to ride to get there. So you know, when the alarm sometimes goes off at 4.30, I just roll over and go, oh my God, there's no motivation to get out of bed whatsoever. I think yeah. what we have to start looking at though, is instead of motivation, commitment. Yes. You need okay. to commit, you know, it's about, it's about setting goals that you want to commit to. And they always say that, you know, if you do something for 21 days, it becomes a habit. Oh. Um, so, which is very interesting because it's, it's, if you, if you commit to doing something for a certain number of days, then it does become a habit and you think, oh, okay, I'm used to this, yes. not go to the gym because, you know, I'm going to get fit, like new year's resolutions, I'm going to get fit. So if somebody goes to a gym for like two weeks and nothing happens, they're not getting fitter, they haven't lost weight and they think, oh, this isn't working. Well, yes. unfortunately, you know, we get unfit really quickly. And we gain weight really quickly. 
but we never get fit quick or lose weight quickly. And it's a process. So it's all about commitment. And I guess, um, you know, I, I love talking about goal setting, but I also think it's not so much about the de- destination, but it's about the journey the getting journey. there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's just so important. Mm. And I had, after Rio, I had that many people say, oh, you're going to go for Tokyo. Like, is it, you're going to train for Tokyo? And I'm not one to make a, like a goal that far away. Not now at this age. Yes, back when I was growing up, I always had goals that were long-term goals. Um, so how, what time my, frames would you put goals in now then, Carol? Well, I look it, now. Six, I, six weeks, six I, months, what, what do you do? I look at a year. So yeah. I've got my, my goals for this year. And mm-hmm. um, by the end of the year, I then sit down and go, well, what do I want to do next year? Like okay. what's my, you know, what's my outcome for next year? Do I, do I want to compete? I mean, that's the big thing, you know, at 58 now, I'll be 59 if I make the Tokyo team. Um, I'll be the oldest female track rider in the world racing. Uh, well, I am already. Wow, that's an achievement in itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, no, we had a girl from the US who raced uh, last year at a World Cup in Canada and she was a couple years older than me. But, um, you know, she was new and, and, and not right up at the the top level, but, you know, so I don't know what's going to happen in a year and I don't know what my MS will be doing in a year. You know, right now it's great. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think it is because of exercise, mind you, I'm on, on disease modifying therapy as well, but, um, the exercise is so important to me. Mm-hmm. And so that'll always, that'll always happen in my life, no matter what sport it is, you know, mm-hmm. so that to me is really important, but it's like looking at, well, what do I, you know, after, after this year's done and dusted, you think, so what do I think I want to do next year? Oh, maybe ride around Tassie or, you know, I'm just throwing silly things out there, but well, maybe not so silly, Yeah. <laughs> um, but just doing, you know, looking at, well, what can I aim for? And then putting those little steps in throughout the year to maybe hit that goal. But those little steps are the journey, you know, they're, they're the great things. And I think I learned that lesson back in 2008. Mm-hmm. I, um, when I was rowing and we were, um, we were trying to make the Beijing Paralympics the first time rowing para rowing had ever been included and i wrote a i was writing a blog about our journey along the way and the training and how things were going and we got to munich to compete and in rowing it's a bit different the spots for the paralympic games and the olympic games are done the year before at world championships level okay. so the, the countries depending on where they place earn spots at the games and sure. um so there's only 12 spots at the games. So they, they award nine at the world championships for each event, but they leave three open for the first world cup the following year. Mm. And so we, there were three spots for our, our discipline and our crew. So we had to come in the top two. Now there was no thought of not coming in the top two. We, we were planning, like we were going to Beijing Yeah, and, unfortunately we missed out by 0.8 of a second oh my goodness oh i know so such a such a short amount of time yeah i wrote a blog apologizing to all my followers of this journey (laughs) and saying you know we've let you down and i'm really sorry and we can't we can't you know i can't celebrate the fact that we're in beijing like this is the end of it and my sister um kind of kicked me up the butt through cyberspace (laughs) (laughs) and my younger sister, I might add too. And she said, Carol, it's not about the destination. You've taken us on such an amazing journey from the beginning of, you know, when you were picked in the crew through to the racing in Munich that it's been great. So don't apologize. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I, and that was a real, that was a real learning lesson right yeah, there. That, yeah. 
I totally agree. I speak about this myself and um, I had that as an example of when I was training for, you know, the big marathon and journey. And um, someone had to tell me that too because, you know, you get so focused and stressed at at times on your goal. Oh, yeah, Yeah, and I remember my brother-in-law actually, uh, he was the one that gave me the message, like your sister, (laughs) and just said, you know, Donna, remember to, when he trained with me one one day when it was, I don't know if you know Mildura. That's where um, yeah, I, yeah, I am from originally. And um, we were down there at Christmas time where my parents are. December, ridiculously hot weather. Oh. And he came training with me, which was really nice. So I was so dedicated. I would run anytime, anywhere, in any weather. And uh, he did tell me that. He said, Donna, remember to um, enjoy the journey. And that was just like a light bulb, you know, going, bing, okay. Oh, most yeah. definitely. And, you know, yeah. I started thinking back and I and I had to look at where we as the crew, like five of us, four, four rowers and a coxswain, where we had come from that first row mm. through to where we were now. And then to top it off, the following year at the World Championships, we made the final and we came sixth. So, you know, it was like, wow, like when you look at, yeah, that journey was just amazing. And I think sometimes if we focus too much on the end goal, I mean, it's always great to have it there. And it's always great to tell somebody what that goal is, because then it makes it real. It's not, you know, you you, you do make a commitment then to do that journey along the yeah. way and those little stepping stones. Mm. But we sometimes are so focused on that that we forget how good the journey can be. Yes, yes. And I mean, especially with people around you are cheering you on as well. It's just, oh, you know, enjoy yeah, that and, um, you know, include them as well. You know, I think that's yeah. a really good uh you know thing to do because they're they're cheering you on you know so oh exactly yeah. and that so her like comment sort of giving really back in home. a way yeah yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah so when training for a major goal what changes do you make to your life is are there changes and is this different with ms or is your life just constantly you know go 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 that it is there's no change to the goal do you know what i'm saying yeah no i do um i think trying to be an elite athlete and having a disease like MS, you have to find that balancing point of doing way too much and then crashing. Uh, like I, I metaphorically crashing, not yes. like crashing on my bike. Um, <laughs> no, no, I knew what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, and doing enough to stay at that elite level. So you have to find that fine balancing act. And I think it's taken me, I've been riding now for nine years and it's, it's taken me nine years to actually find to get that no, it probably took me about it probably took me about seven years to find that balance um, and it's great to have people around you who really do know you well, like my husband because I would yeah. come in from either training or or you know being out talking or something, and I would look like hell, and I'd know I'd feel bad, and he would just look at me and go, "Go lie down, yeah. do it now, yeah. you know so it's great to have somebody policing it as well. And <laughs> You're think, lucky. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think nowadays as well, I mean, we're so technical with training, you know, heart rate and power and like my coaches look at everything and all my data from a ride gets downloaded onto um, it's called training peaks, which they all, all the coaches look at, you know, our head coach, road head coach for Australia, my coach, my sports scientist at the Institute of Sport. And they can tell if I'm tired because they sure. can see the changes um, in, in all that data. And they might go, Ooh, time for a bit of a break. You know? It's interesting so, you should mention technology and that sort of thing. Cause I was listening to a podcast just the other day and it was a running one and they were talking to a running coach and the person that was interviewing him was asking about the whole technology thing. What do you think about it? Because this coach was, you know, of old school. He had been running for years before all that sort of technology had happened. But obviously admits to using it now, but was kind of saying to the running audience, I suppose, um, don't get stuck into that so much, though. Don't, you know, 
Oh, um, I totally overdo agree. that. Like, but do you have to at an Olympic level get really hooked on that? Um, is that part of the training that is really something that, you know, you must do it in some, I don't know, minutes, seconds, whatever, <laughs> and your heart rate oh, must look, be this I, and whatever? Do you know what I'm saying? I think, yeah, some of the training is based, you know, they'll, which is great. They'll base it around heart rate or some of the training they'll base around my power output. I've got power cranks on my bike, so it tells how much wattage I'm outputting. Mm-hmm. or they'll give me a target. But I agree with him in that you can't completely rely on that. You have to be self-policing in the fact that, you know, if you go out and you're tired, you know that you just don't do it. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm old enough to, that you get a lot, a lot of younger athletes who will do exactly as what's written in the plan and they won't sway from it whatsoever, no matter how bad they feel. Mm-hmm. My coach Um, my, my personal coach is really good in that if I go out and I think not, not going to be good today to do this. And, and I don't do that very often, but I know when I have to, then she's fine with that. You know, she trusts me to, to self-police and say, Hey, I can't. Well, Um, you've been doing it for a lot of years now and you know, your body, no one else does. You know what I'm saying? Especially through through the different sports that I've done. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good answer because I was just wondering how, uh, you know, strict they are on you about this at an Olympic level and if it gets just over the top and uh, annoying (laughs) or if it's something that you would really like to stick to because it it pulls you in line. Do you know what I'm saying? So it sounds like you're a little bit flexible with it. I think it's a bit of give and take. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, Okay. Because with MS, like I, if I do way too much and, and my body just goes bang, we're not doing anymore. I could be out for months, you know? And what does out for months mean to you physically? What, what, what is out for Carol Cook? So 2006, was it 2006? Yeah, I was pushing it so bad. Um, I was still, I was rowing then. And I ended up having such a bad relapse that I lost the use of my arms and my legs. I was in hospital for like a month on um, uh, steroid therapy. And then I was in rehab for two months. So there's three months gone right there. Just getting back. To, you know being able to use your arms and legs and being able to walk out of there but in saying that since 2008 since I've been really I guess I'd say 2008 is when I started to get a lot more fitter um, I haven't been in hospital touch wood I better say that now touch wood <laughs> I've been in hospital since 2008 where from 1998 to 2008 I was probably in hospital one to well, maybe even three times a year. Yeah. Um, wow. With relapses. Well done. So, you know, at the beginning, being told not to ever do sport, I mean, that that way of thinking has changed as well because they now know that physical activity in 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 any capacity is just so good for MS. So to be fitter, you're gonna deal with um the issues a lot better. I mean, yeah, look, they're good. doing they're doing studies now with cancer patients. I was was talking to the doctor at the Institute of Sport yesterday, and he was telling me about, you know, how they're when they're giving chemo. There's at Peter Mac. There's a study going right now that when they're giving chemo to somebody, they've got them on a treadmill walking as the mm. chemo is going in. Mm. You know, mm. so and they're I finding heard that, of that. It, yep. yeah, they're they're coping much better with yeah. having this poison put through their system yeah. which is you know hopefully going to cure them so yeah. to me yeah exercise is really important and so you know yeah. aside from those goals um yeah the goals and that are great to have but I'm a bit smarter about yeah knowing when to push and when not to push well, which brings me to my next question. Um, you've really sort of segued into that nicely. <laughs> what would you, <laughs> what would you tell? You know, how old were you back then when you first started training, even before the MS? You know, what would when you tell your younger heard. self? What would you say, tell your the younger Carol with what you know now? Oh wow. Um, MS or not, that, I'm not sure, whatever yeah, you want to choose. That I can only control the controllables and that, you know, no matter what happens to you in life, it 
doesn't really matter. Um, and it's not what happens to you, but how you deal with it, you know? So that, that doctor, I look at that doctor who did diagnose me and he said, my life as I knew it was over. So that to me was devastating, but you know what? He was right. My life as I knew it then was over, but he was thinking in a negative way. And I've swung that around to think of it in a positive way because things that are really bad that happen to you can actually turn out to be not so bad and pretty good. Yeah, you know, yeah definitely. I would love if you were for MS. That would be great. But MS has made me who I am. You know, I never would have written a book and I wouldn't have been to two Paralympic games. I wouldn't have been traveling the world racing every year. Mm-hmm. None of that would have happened. I probably wouldn't know you seriously because <laughs> we met through <laughs> secret strike. So, well, I, I probably wouldn't. We are yeah. never crossed, you know, all mm. those years ago, but that all happened because I got diagnosed with MS. So I think I'd tell my younger self, don't worry about things that happen to you. Just deal with them in a, in a positive way and things good, good things will come out of it. Mm. Yeah. And well, I know well it's hard when, when stuff like that, when, when things happen and it could be anything, you know, even, even now as an adult, we think oh, bugger, you know, and, and we get all angry and, and, and negative about things. And I think we just well, need to then switch it around to the positive and say, okay, why did this happen? What have we done? Yeah. What, what can we do to correct it? You know? Well, I think we all do. Um, I think I'm safe in saying this. Um, the majority of us do in the moment, like you on the oh. couch with the dog. Yeah. I think I actually think and go, well, allow that. Allow you to go through that process. Oh, you have yeah. to be angry. Yeah. Like, I mean, it oh, probably yeah, took definitely. me six months. Mm. Like once I was diagnosed, it probably took me six months of, you know, um, I didn't Getting believe him around number it. one. Yeah, mm. didn't believe him. Then I was pissed off at him and, and the world and thinking, why is this happening to me? And then it was getting the pig-headed and stubbornness of, well, MS is not who I am. I'm living with MS. So nobody, it was like waving a red, red flag to a bull. It was like nobody was going to tell me what I could and couldn't do with my life. Yeah. And MS wasn't going to rule what I could and couldn't do. You know, yeah. I was going to try things anyway. So I think we do have to go through that, that process. But, you know, your question about telling my younger self, if I knew that back then, that everything would be okay. You know, if somebody, and I probably wouldn't have listened as a 10 year old. But in, in, in saying that, you know, it was, I was nine when I, I was, I was in love with gymnastics and I was nine years old. You've done a lot. Oh, I know. As my activities, like different sports. Oh, my mom had, my mom had us involved in dance and sport from like, I was four, I think when I started all this, Mm. but at nine, I, my best friend Sharon and I were trying out for an elite gymnastics club because we were going to go represent Canada at the Olympics Wow! in gymnastics. That's what we were going to do. And, um, we went to this club and this horrible, horrible woman looked at me and said, Oh, you're too fat to ever do gymnastics. And that was it. My chance of even trying out were gone. And my friend Sharon got in. And I think I was really, really lucky that day because I went home and I was in tears. And I remember just thinking my dreams shattered, like this is never going to happen. And my mom was, is a pretty wise woman. and, And she said, Carol, she taught me to think outside the box. And I think this is probably, you know, a bit of what I would say to my younger self. She said, you know, if you want to do gymnastics, just do it. Don't listen to what other mean people say, but if you want to go to the Olympics, why don't you try a different sport? You know, she, she gave me an opportunity to look elsewhere where I had never ever thought of. Mm. And that's when I started swimming. So, you know, that was, that was the catalyst and that would be, I would hope that, you know, if I was to say something about, you know, don't let change affect you or adversity, just run with it because it might be good. I would hope that I would do it in a, in, in a similar way that my yeah. mom did with me. Yeah. And I mean, that's, we've spoken about change before and how it can just be so scary to people and change can be, uh, 
I think, a choice, but it also can be something that's put upon you that you have no control of the circumstances. But still in saying that, we've both had no control over our circumstances in issues, and a lot of people have, Um, yours being health, mine being health as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's, you know, the way that you've dealt with it and making that choice of, okay, this is a change in my life. How am I going to go about dealing with this and just living life in general, you know, and, and you were told by your doctor that, you know, this is going to happen. You could have followed that lead and just let that happen. But the the idea of what you've done with your mind and change is just something to be applauded and, you know, well done. (laughs) I really, I really, I think my, I think my mother would probably say to that that no she was just born pig-headed and stubborn (laughs) (laughs) and I think I am too and I think that's a good thing it's a bonus (laughs) I think it is too and I think um I think I probably might get a bit of it from her so you know genetic I think are you allowed to say that (laughs) oh look she'll probably listen to this and say oh Carol what did you say that for um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've heard my mum say to somebody else about me when I was younger and just saying, oh, look, you just couldn't stop her anyway. Like, you know, because exactly. of my, my uh, determination or whatever you want to call it. But um, and it could be called stubbornness, whatever. I don't yeah. put, a, put a name on it. I don't care. Determination <laughs> sounds much better than stubbornness, actually. <laughs> whatever what name you want to put on it, it doesn't matter. It's where it got you. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. So, and I, I actually think, I don't know if you've answered this question already, but I always ask what advice uh, would you give our listeners who are thinking of going for their new big scary goal? And I always say new big scary goal because it's, you know, it's at different levels where something that's, you know, seems really scary it may not be scary to someone else do you know what I'm saying so it's oh it's those, yeah it's those big those goals where you just sit and ponder over and uh just overanalyze and let doubters come in your head as well when you actually say it out loud to somebody so everyone's got their opinion and their you know oh, their concerns sure. I suppose so what advice would you give that person that's listening Um, Well, first, I want to say the older we get, the more scared we get. And I think we we learn that we we learn fear. And I like people to to think about um, when we're babies, little, little children, and we're learning to walk, we stand up and fall down thousands of times. Mm. Sometimes we fall down and we laugh. Sometimes we fall down and we cry. But we always get back up. Yes. Until one day, we're not only walking, but we're running. Because we don't know anything back then about fear. And unfortunately, it's it's taught to us as we get older. And it's by little comments of, oh, don't be so silly. Why would you want to do that? Or, oh, no, you're not built for Like that lady in the gymnastics. Oh, you're, you're too fat to be a gymnast. You know, so that gives you that fear of, well, I better not try something then, or I better not do that because I'm too fat or, you know, whatever the the comment may be. Mm. Um, I think if we, we have to try and forget about that fear and do something for ourselves. Mm. And if you set a really big goal, write it down, write it down in a journal, on a piece of paper, on a piece of paper, put on your mirror, your bathroom mirror, wherever that you're going to see that every day. Yeah. If your goal is to lose 10 kilos, put a big note on the refrigerator mm. because the refrigerator or, or the cupboard door where all the goodies are, because most mm. people, you know, you'd have kids and whatnot. You're not going to change their lifestyle because you just want to lose 10 kilos, but put notes there to remind yourself, by the way, before you grab that chocolate biscuit, or grab the ice <laughs> the freezer, you want to lose 10 kilos. So it's a reminder in your face. Yeah. So no matter what that is. And then I would suggest that you tell at least one person, somebody that you trust, you know, somebody yeah. that that isn't going to make fun of what that goal is. Mm. Um, and is going to say, great, you know, well done, good on you. Yeah. But I think it's really important that, 
depending on what the goal is, you have some mentors, people that you who have done it before, you know, mm-hmm. like if you want to do, um, well, like you, you run marathons, God forbid, I could never run a marathon. Um, but, <laughs> but I did, somebody... I, I seeked mentors. I even just said this in exactly. the uh, last or oh, couple of podcasts ago. And I did say exactly what you're saying to seek. Yeah. So it's really important yeah. to have people who have been there before mm, and, and yeah. chat to them and say, you know what, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And this is what I've put in process to, to do along the way. Mm. Yeah. I think that's right. Because they're, they've been through the same thing as you. They probably had the same doubts at the beginning, the same fears. Yeah. They got past them, yeah. you know. Um, I was just talking to a, a bunch of um, kids who were about 16 years old the other day and, and their parents. They were doing uh, a big fundraiser thing and I came as a guest speaker. Yes. And I said, you know, it's, it's so important to face those fears because once you do, you'll find that it really wasn't that scary after all. Yeah, um, I said, I gave them all a challenge that during this week, they had to try something new. And it didn't have to be sport related or anything. I could be trying a new food. Yeah, it could be. And then I said, it could be as simple as singing outside of the shower. I said, because we all sound really good in the shower. And they all looked at me and laughed. And I said, well, just like I know, am. I, I, I sound great in the shower, but I don't sound so great outside. And, but I like so do you want to share a tune with us now? Not really. I actually said that at a school up um, near Mansfield uh, in December. And one of the kids said, well, sing for us. So I sang the anthem. And, they, and then he looked at me and he goes, yeah, you, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I that's said, funny. That's the point that you have to try. So now, like I sing, just in the getting car, out of your I'm, comfort zone. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, yeah. I, if I'm driving along and I'm singing in the car, I don't stop singing because I've pulled up at a red light. No, you know, and I don't care if somebody in the next car looks at me like, oh my <laughs> God, can you just shut up? You know, um, even that's if I don't funny. know the words and I just la 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 yeah, along yeah. with the tune. <laughs> So it's, it's, it is, it's important to, to just have a go Mm. and you might find that it's not something you like doing or you really want to do. Um, but you might find, yeah, I'm enjoying this and and I could be good at this and I could, you know, as good as I want to be, it doesn't mean you have to be, uh, you know, as good as an Olympic athlete, if you're going to like run a marathon or a half marathon or, or try something that way. But, but if you enjoy it, then who cares? Yeah, exactly. How good you are. Yeah, yeah, true. If you enjoy it, then that's great. Mm. Just do it. Mm, thank you. We know you're a speaker. We know you're, a, you know, an athlete. But tell us a bit more about your book, Finding Your Inner Goal. Who, who is this for, Carol? Who's this book for? And oh, what, what is it about? Yeah, look, it's um, it's Finding Your Inner Gold, a Paralympian, a gold medal Paralympian secrets to success. So it does break everything down. It it talks about you know, exactly that, getting over the fear. Um, but I use stories from my life, um, mm. even from the police force, you know, and, okay. and things over jumping hurdles. Um, you know, you come up against brick walls. And I love, I hate that. I hate that saying, um, oh, don't worry. You know, when something ends, somebody always says to you, oh, don't worry, another door will open. Mm. And I think, no, you got to go look for it. Like, yeah. don't just think that things are going to be dropped in your lap. You know, yeah. you actually have to go and, and have a look and say, oh, maybe I'll just try and open this door, you know, no matter how. Yeah, how hard I know what you're is. saying. I'm a bit, I'm a bit of, uh, I use it not in the way of doors, but opportunities. Um, when mm. people say, oh, take opportunities when they come along. But I always say, well, create opportunities, create, exactly. create that opportunity that, you want are you going to wait for an opportunity and maybe someone else will take it anyway so why don't you create it so it's like I ask people what would you attempt to do if you knew you couldn't fail Mm. you know what 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 are you going to try what are you going to create if Mm. if if you were given a guarantee that you couldn't fail like everybody would be jumping at that yeah. But then we were, we're scared again, that fear comes up that yeah. oh, I'm not going to be good. I'm going to be bad. I'm going to fail. But yeah. really without failure, we have no success. Yeah. So my book talks a lot about that, but at the end, it also talks, which I think we're really bad at 
is about celebrating, celebrating yes. our successes. Yeah. And Love I it. think Canadians and Australians are really bad at celebrating our successes because I think we've always, we've all grown up to be very humble. Oh, is that a I Canadian thing too, is it? Oh, it, it is. Ah. And I don't know if that comes from the British heritage. I don't know. But you look at the Americans and how they celebrate. Oh, yeah. They're positive people. They celebrate their successes no matter how small they are. Yeah. And I think we, we all need to learn um, a bit better about how to celebrate. I'm still not good at it. I'm not good at spooking myself, you know, and go, Hey, look at me. You know, I'll meet people oh, when you friends. need to come and just tell me and I'll come and cheer you on. <laughs> I'll celebrate with you anytime, Carol. <laughs> Thank you. So we'll be out for a ride and we'll have new people on the ride. And I'm one of the ride leaders, even though I'm on my trike. Um, what do you I'm, mean, I'm even a, though you're on your trike, well, what is that supposed to mean? Riding a trike is very different from riding two wheels. And yeah. funny enough, a lot of people see a 58-year-old old woman on a tricycle and they think, oh, you know, and it happens today. I get this girl who is on her little commuter bike with her flowered basket in front and would not, you know, I was coming up to a light, so I was slowing down and went right by me and stopped as if to say, oh, well, I'm getting in front of this tricycle. <laughs> and so I just I let her sit in front of me and I just sat right on her wheel all the way down the road. And she like kept looking back like, oh, I tried to speed up. I just fed up with her. So there's a lot of mis, uh, misperceptions about yeah. somebody riding a trike. So, but the thing is, you know, we get these new people out. They have no idea my background. I'm not about to say, oh, by the way, I'm like three gold, three, three gold medals. Well, I was just thinking that before when you said about the girl with the basket or whatever, you should be just carrying your medals around your neck when you ride. That makes it harder for you too. That's a good training point. Uh, it would because they're half a kilo. Those medals. So, yeah, so it makes you train that. harder. I actually think that, yeah, just one, one medal, one gold one. <laughs> but, that's, but that's what I mean. You know, like we don't, I don't group myself. We don't celebrate our accomplishments or achievements enough in this country. Yeah. Um, and and I think, I think Canada is pretty much the same. Mm. And yeah, I think we all need to learn, not be pig headed or big noting ourselves, all the time, but celebrating what we've done and not being scared to share that with people, which, mm. and I'm, I should take my own advice actually, because <laughs> I don't, <laughs> unless I'm, unless I'm at a speaking gig, I do not share that with many people, you know, unless people say, oh, so what's your background? In, well, in yeah, it's kind of one of those things that it's, you know, talked about at an appropriate time. Like, yeah. I yeah, know exactly. Saying. Yeah, exactly. So I, I could talk to you for ages, Carol. I just love it. <laughs> I, I like to ask, I want to get these two questions in because I ask everyone this. Who inspires you and why? Who's your superhero? Oh, well, that's, I've got two. Um, one okay. was my dad. One was my dad. Um, you know, from a young age, he, he lost his mother at the age of six and was shunted from, um, family members to family members because his dad was over fighting in the war. Um, when his dad came back, you know, he ended up losing a leg. So my dad was incredible, um, holding down like three different jobs and going to school during the, you know, during, during the years and, um, wow. then decided to go to secretarial school of all things. Um, he was one of two boys in classes of women, but it le lent him the typing ability. He then joined the police force and rose to the high, almost the highest rank. He was just under deputy chief. Wow. Um, what and day. his typing skills, but his typing skills came in handy, you yeah. know, and so he did the right thing. And I just think he, he did so much in his life and he was, so well respected and he did so much charity work so he's he's one and then um uh, more local uh, is tammy van wissa who's a, a marathon swimmer yeah and i met tammy while i was here on holidays before i'd even met my husband and i was i was doing one of the bay swims mm. and uh, i was sitting by myself and and her and some friends sat down and we got talking and she became a pretty good friend and 
And then some of the amazing swims she's done, like triple crossing in the English Channel and then swimming bass straight, which nobody else has ever done. And I think the mental strength, not only the physical strength, but the mental strength to swim from Tasmania to Victoria in a shark cage Mm -hmm. with jellyfish stinging you every stroke of the way Mm -hmm. and to actually be able to finish that, you know, lips swollen, face swollen, but to finish that and mentally get through that to me is just unfathomable, Mm. but I just think she is such an amazing person. Mm. So those are the two, two people in my life that, that have really, um, I don't know, maybe driven me or made me rethink a few things along the way. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. So also do you have a, a favorite quote or mantra that you use when aiming for your goal that you could share with us? Um, well, I have a favorite quote, um, and it's, it comes from a friend of mine by the name of Warren McDonald, and I use it a, a lot. I think it's even in my book, um, and I use it at all my talks, and it's dare to face your fears and believe in yourself, and you can accomplish anything. Mm. Now, Warren um, is an Australian who's now living in Canada, so we've kind of swapped. <laughs> he, Warren lost both his legs in a climbing accident when a rock yeah. face fell uh, as he was climbing on, fell on top of him and pinned him in a river. And he was there for about two to four days, something like that. Well, while the one man that he had just met a German who he didn't even know had to go for help. This is up in Hinchinbrook Island. And he lost both his legs above the knee, very short stumps. And he has gone on to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, um, cradle mountain. He's done quite a few climbs. He's, he's now, um, his partner is a um, an ice climber in Canada, and so he's she's taught him to now ice climb. Um, he's oh my done gosh, that's awesome. El Capitano, which is in um, the states, which is the largest rock face, and it took him sixteen hundred pull ups to get up it. Two days, he yeah. tied himself on the on the edge of a cl- the the rock face to sleep. Um, <laughs> that he can continue the next day and and that you know and that's him you know he's lost both legs but he dared to face his fears and believed it in himself and he has accomplished everything you know so that is my my favorite quote I use it all the time and um um I guess the other one would be from pink what doesn't kill you makes you stronger yeah I can be doing efforts that my coach has given me on the bike and it could be going up Mount Dandenong or, you know, doing hills. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm dying. And then I think, nope, it kill you, makes you stronger. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Hey, uh, I'm just going to let people know if they want to contact you and if they want to see more about you and all your adventures and also perhaps book you for a speaking event or even purchase your book they go to carol cook with an e <laughs> dot com dot au that's the books there as well isn't it yeah yes it is yeah i'm pretty yeah. sure it was they'll, there. they'll see what looks like two books but in fact um i had actually written it in two, 2015 as and called it cycle of life yeah i remember that and then you changed the title and then yeah. after rio i felt like it was missing something and mm. I added another chapter and just changed it to finding your inner gold. So, okay. So get the there, but, latter one. Yeah. So you've got that yeah. extra bit. <laughs> All right. Yeah, definitely. And if they want to find out more about uh, the MS 24 hour mega swim, they just go to MS 24 hour mega swim on Facebook. You can just MS, right? MS mega swim. Um, I think it's .com.au, but it may, if you just MS Mega Swim, it pops up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So we've 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 got now seventeen, about seventeen swims around the country. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, in four states: so New South Wales, ACT, Victoria, and Tasmania, and they're held at all different times of the year. Um, we do have another one coming up. I think it's the beginning of May in um, Melbourne at the Melbourne Sports and Aquatic Centre as well. So, so but it's not just swimming then. It's not just swimming anymore. We've actually got racquetball and squash and badminton. So So um, make a swim but what? <laughs> Yeah. So you're going to have to call it a big title, not just Mega Swim then. <laughs> no, it looks like we're probably going to change it to um, Mega Challenges. 
Yeah, so, yeah, that sounds yeah. cool. So are you are they looking for a new leader since you've retired or is that being filled? Oh, most definitely they are. Um, you know, they're looking for somebody to run it on the day and mm. uh, the MS office does most of the most of the back ends, well, all of the back end stuff now. I mean, it's changed a lot since I started it where people, you know, did cash donations. It's all online now. And, oh, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. Seats mm. are emailed out or come yeah. right from the system. It's so much easier. I remember, you know, days of bringing home $75,000 from the pool, counting it on <laughs> the table in the dining room. And then when I was using my scooter, because I couldn't walk very well, my husband would be my bodyguard and we'd be zipping up <laughs> high street and we'd get to the bank with 75 grand. And the bank would just go, oh my God. <laughs> Did she get this? <laughs> So it's really changed now and it's pretty high tech now. And yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just somebody on the day to run the registration, you know, get the, okay, well, well that's a shout out too. So we've got the uh, details of that and I'll put all the links up in the show notes uh, for people to get in touch and uh, yeah, show their enthusiasm, especially with the mega adventures now. That sounds pretty cool. So it's swimming. What was it else? Was it? Um, we've got badminton, we've got uh, racquetball and squash. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. So it has been awesome chatting with you, Carol. I really enjoy every time we chat and catch up. So I, yeah, really thank you for joining us here today. And um, oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been great. And yeah, yeah. it's been way too, way too long between um, glass, cups of coffee, put it that way. <laughs> All right. Take care, Carol. Thanks, Thanks, Donna. You too. Okay. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Ready, Set, Goal podcast with Donna Campisi. Do you know someone else who could benefit from learning how to turn their dream into reality and help make a plan to achieve their goals? Please take a moment to share this and other episodes via your podcast app, email, or social media channels. Each share helps us reach listeners just like you who can benefit from our content.